0: Sort of uh, very good spiritual practice in our own lives to meditate occasionally on what's called the four last things. the Four last things. So you know, if you're on a trip and you're heading somewhere, you got to know where you're going, and you want to get a, a map out and you want to navigate your way through it and figure it out ahead of time. And uh so in our tradition we talk about the four last things. This is the kind of the destiny where um, where we're all heading, okay? So we've got death, judgments, hell and heaven. And today I'd like to talk about hell and heaven. We see in our gospel passage uh this wonderful uh experience that the closest apostles of Jesus uh were privileged to have on the the mountain and uh, Jesus's body his face is transfigured it becomes luminous and it's a foreshadowing of his glorification it's also a foreshadowing of the glorification of those members of his body of his mystical body those Christians who throughout their lives stay close to him and stay faithful to him it's really a foreshadowing of the glory of heaven and it's full of light and it's beautiful now, in contrast to that, beauty and that light is hell. Hell is a place of total darkness. Now, there's two ways that we can speak about hell. Uh, one way to speak about hell is hell as that state of the damned, who uh, whose souls are separated from their body and they're 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 dead and they're in hell. That's one way of talking about hell. Another way of talking about hell is the the final, ultimate state of the damned. And that's when the body is resurrected from the dead and is joined with the soul. And uh, so, just like in heaven, people will have their bodies with them because there is the resurrection of the dead. So also in hell, people will have their bodies. So it's a bodily reality. And it's a little easier to conceptualize that state of hell. The hell in which just the soul exists, it's a little bit... It's not spatial, it's kind of abstract, it's hard to think about. So I'm going to talk in this homily about hell in the terms of the bodily state and that final ultimate, uh, destiny of the damned. And in that place, the primary punishment and pain and suffering that the damned undergo is, it consists in the exclusion from the vision of God. It consists in the exclusion from the loving communion and the presence of, of God. That's the primary punishment. But for human beings, it's a little bit abstract. Sometimes it's not very motivating to avoid hell, just say, well, like, okay, you know, so God's not going to be there. No big deal. I'm like, I live without God all the time, so I'm all right with that. You know, it's not super motivating, but so really God in His mercy has added also uh, bodily suffering and punishments to hell so that it would actually motivate uh, those who are living in mortal sin in this earth, and would kind of, you know, uh, there's something that they can kind of relate to, because we can all relate to bodily suffering. And so, in hell, there is bodily suffering. There's suffering in all the senses. There's suffering uh, in the sense of smell. There's suffering in the sense of, uh, you know, t- touch in our, our bodies themselves. There are, uh, what the scriptures refer to in, a, in many, many passages, the fires of hell. Now, the fire of hell is not, um, it's not exactly like fire that we experience in this world, okay? It's only analogous to that fire, but fire is a good thing that we experience. It's a good way to understand the fires of hell. It's very intense, right? You put your hand on a, on fire and it's gonna tear your flesh apart and burn. It's excruciatingly painful. So that's just a little hint of how painful and how much suffering The fires of hell inflict upon the damned. And the the fires of hell do not destroy the bodies of the damned. They just inflict incredible suffering upon them. And it's eternal. It's everlasting. Now, uh, someone might say, well, fire, I mean, won't, won't hell be a very bright place because fire gives off light. And actually the teaching of the church and the scriptures are very clear that actually hell is a place of total darkness, an absence of light. And uh, there's a passage in Psalm 28. It says, The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. And the, the traditional interpreters say what that means is sp- speaking about the fires of hell and that God actually uh, causes, it, causes it so that the fires of hell do not really emit light. So they burn, but they, they're not bright. And there's only enough light in hell uh, given to the damned so that they can see just a little bit and they see two things. They see the horrible, disfigured forms of their fellow inhabitants. That's one thing they see. Also, they see demons. And demons, although demons are not bodily creatures, they're, they're non-bodily, in hell they will and they can, even in this world, by God's permission and through their power over material things, they can assume a form. They can kind of take upon themselves themselves. A form. And in hell, they will take upon themselves ghastly, ghoulish, horrible forms. And it will be that vision that torments the sights of the damned for eternity. Now, that's all in contrast to the beauty of the lights of heaven and the face of Jesus Christ and the intellectual vision of the Trinity that the blessed will experience for eternity. And so the takeaway message today for you and for me is simply that the darkness of hell, if we want to avoid that darkness and if we want to enjoy the light of heaven, we have to embrace the darkness of a penitential life and consequently the darkness of Lent. If we look in our scriptures today, we see Abraham and he has this sacrificial offering to God and He's waiting for God to kind of make this covenant with him. And it says, A terrifying darkness descends upon Abraham and envelops him. That darkness that Abraham experienced was a foreshadowing of the slavery that his uh, descendants would experience in Egypt. Okay, so it's the children of Israel being slaves in Egypt for 400 years, being oppressed, being exiled from the promised land, which is a type of heaven. And it's that kind of darkness that Abraham has this very profound premonition of. And the slavery in Egypt is in itself a foreshadowing of the passion of Jesus Christ. If we notice in our gospel text today, Moses and Elijah, when they appear with Jesus, it says they're speaking with him about his exodus that he is going to accomplish in Jerusalem. The exodus that Jesus is going to accomplish in Jerusalem is a reference to his passion to his sufferings uh, in the Via Dolorosa and also his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And so just as Jesus passed through uh, to, to get to the light and the glory of his resurrection, he had to pass through darkness. So also, all of us, we have to pass through darkness. We have to embrace darkness if we want the light and the beauty of heaven. And this is what Peter didn't get. You see, Peter saw the glory of Jesus and he's like, woohoo, it's all about heaven, woohoo, let's stay here, let's build three tents and just stay here. And God had to correct him, and so therefore he experiences this shadow that overcomes him, and this darkness and this fear. And what God was saying was that, okay, hold on, you want the glory of heaven, that's good, but wait, because you're going to have to go through the passion and the suffering uh, that's about to happen. So just hold on, get ready, embrace that darkness. If you want the light, embrace the darkness. And uh, in our lives we experience many moments of darkness. We have uh, we're alienated from family members, we're our, our workplaces, maybe there's conflict there, we experience the death of a loved one, we're having trouble with medical problems, many of our loved ones might be in the hospital, prolonged suffering. There there are many many problems that we have in life, and God permits those sufferings. As a means for us to identify with Jesus, that we can get close to Him in His passion and become like Him and become closer to Him. In Lent, we, and throughout the year hopefully, we have self-inflicted darknesses. We have self-inflicted penances that we choose. Maybe prayer, fasting. Uh, the best penances are those when we serve our neighbor in love. We give up, uh, we sacrifice our time, our, our talents, and our treasure for the good of others and those darknesses that we have chosen train us and get us ready to embrace those darknesses in life that we haven't uh chosen that we that that come about uh, come about in our lives just naturally and uh, if we embrace those darknesses then we will enjoy the light of heaven and we will escape the darkness of hell